Hello and welcome to the Community Action Group podcast, The Block Party. Today, we have Teresa Sassung and Taz Van Gorder joining us to introduce January's discussion topic and get to know a little better. Welcome. We are so glad you all could join us. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me as well. To get us started, can each of you tell us who you are, what you do, and a fun fact about yourself? So I'm Teresa Sissung, the uh, Industry Relations Specialist here with Farm Bureau. I work predominantly with our um, crop groups. So basically, if we grow it in Michigan and it doesn't have legs or fins, um, it's a group that I work with. Um, fun fact, I think one sometimes people don't know is that I am actually the middle of three girls. So many times people think there's only two of us. All three of us look alike. So they sometimes get us confused and depends on the circles you know us in as to if you know that there are actually three of us or just two of us. Very interesting. It's a very important uh, note that things with fins you don't cover. Nope. Things with fins are not mine. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I think some people might be um, surprised to hear we do have like policy on aquaculture, fishing, things like that. Perfect. Well, Tess, you want to hop in? Yeah, uh, my name is Tess Van Gorder. I'm a conservation and regulatory relations specialist. Um, So work throughout the state on both voluntary conservation and then the whole spectrum to uh, farmers, working with farmers or uh, even processors who run into some regulatory issues as it relates to environmental permitting. I am have a great partner in crime with Laura Campbell, and we work for you all on various environmental issues. Um, In particular, I cover, uh, I'm our climate technical expert. I work on um, the manure hauler certification program, groundwater discharge permitting, ag recycling, and a lot in the Saginaw Bay. And then um, a fun fact about myself is, Prior to actually starting at Farm Bureau, I played water polo for about 10 years. That is interesting. No underwater basket weaving, though, just water polo. Just water polo. I don't think I'm talented enough for underwater basket weaving. Oh, you don't give yourself enough credit. So as we get started, can you guys give us a brief overview of what we will be discussing with our groups this month? Sure. Um, So this was an emerging issue brief and these are written by staff during policy development season about some issues that we think or we see as becoming important. And in Michigan, we um, hopefully all know that we have a great diversity of commodities but for those uh, commodities to survive, a lot of them need a strong um, processing supply chain. And so as we were going through policy development season last year, um, I saw this as, a, you know, something as we've seen from, you know, different parts of our team from the environmental side to the economic side to um, food safety, just a lot of pressure on the supply chain from consolidation to permitting to all these different things. And I thought this would be, um, you know, 
as a team, we thought this would be a good topic to um, bring forth and see if folks had um, additional policy that they wanted to um, put forward on strengthening the egg processing supply chain, especially in Michigan. Perfect. Teresa, is there anything you wanted to add before we hop in with the next question? No, I think Tess did a great job pulling this uh, issue brief together and did a great job covering it. All right. So the discussion topic references a handful of Michigan Farm Bureau policies and one American Farm Bureau policy. Can you give us a brief overview of these policies and what Farm Bureau's current stance on agricultural processing is? Um, I can touch on a couple of them and then hopefully Tess can fill in some of the others. So one is our Ag Innovation and Value Added Initiatives Policy. And this really focuses on what we can do to help farmers add value to their products, as well as improving the processing industry within our state. Um, there's also some language in there that supports automation, robotics, and other new technology that can help improve not just agriculture, but also the processing industry. Um, there's also mention of our antitrust policy, and that is broader than just related to ag processing, but there is a piece in there about encouraging both national and state reforms that would prevent monopolies from forming within the processing industry. Um, and so trying to make sure that those industries still benefit independent farmers and don't get to the point where it's so consolidated that it's no longer beneficial to farmers. Um, and then the AFBF policy that's mentioned is food quality and safety. This one really focuses on concepts that will allow the U.S. to continue to have the safest food supply in the world. Um, there is some language about audits as well as using good um, agricultural practices. Um, so that, that also kind of touches on things that impact farmers as well as processors. And then I can jump in. So the Michigan meat processing industry policy, this was a result of um, what we all experienced, experienced during COVID and sort of that supply chain um, struggles. And I think even to today, people still have very long wait times on um, getting their meat processed. Um, and then the Michigan Department of Environment, Great Lakes and Energy is our state's primary, ener uh, not energy, excuse me, environmental policy. So it talks a lot about permitting um, from the department and things like that and how to um, have regulations and rules based in science and that help um, that are really just common sense uh, regulations that aren't overly burdensome. Perfect. So taking it a step further from uh, from Michigan Farm Bureau, American Farm Bureau policy, what is Michigan Farm Bureau doing to support agricultural processing in the state? So um, all of our policy is the marching orders for staff. So we go forth and um, we support things that MDAR does, like um, some other value-added grants that go a lot to um, processors to help either add or um, make changes to their operations so they're able to expand. Um, we support you all, for example, with groundwater discharge permitting. So from multiple ends of saying, okay, how can we um, work with things like the slaughterhouse permit? We were um, really try to advocate for farmers and processors as we move through that process. But then also if you're someone else, 
that needs has questions on what does it mean for to get a groundwater discharge permit you can always come to me and i'm happy to help um sort of do a scry of those um regulations but really um those things and those policies are our marching orders so really trying to support a robust agricultural processing industry in Michigan and then same for things like the Food Safety Modernization Act and other food safety regulations um, that also becomes again AFBF policies those are how um, we advocate on your behalf in DC so how do we make common sense regulations that like Teresa said help keep us the um, safest food supply in the world um, but also making sure that farmers and processors are able to um, thrive and we also have our commodity advisory committees and well we don't have one that is specifically for ag processing um, a lot of our committees touch on that topic they look at those policies and they make changes so our fruit and vegetable advisory committee looks at that quite a bit um, actually talking about fins our aquaculture and commercial fishing looked at some of the ag innovation pieces um, livestock and poultry as well as dairy those all look at a lot of the issues that are affecting ag processing within our state and made policy recommendations related to those i mean those committees will have different speakers come in to talk about where we're at with processing and food safety and and other issues that really impact the industry so they do look at that and that policy is obviously evolving every single year um, we make changes to some of those different pieces depending on what the issues are Perfect. Thank you. Yeah, I remember when I first started at Farm Bureau and going to my first few commodity advisory committee meetings, um, just the breadth of issues and things that one committee talks about and the amount that I was able to learn at those um, was really incredible. And it just goes as a testament to, to our members and telling Farm Bureau story, telling farmer story um, and advocating on those issues. So recently, Farm Bureau relaunched county public policy committees. How can these committees and our community action group members impact this issue? Well, I think, Becca, you said part of it. Um, tell your story, especially if you've experienced with some of these things that have been either um, a barrier for you getting into processing or have been a struggle um, for your operation, make sure to be able to tell your story. And um, you can always take that form for your policy book if you aren't sure what to say. And I'm sure that you could probably find something that matches up with those struggles you've been having and tell your story to your elected officials that can hopefully um, support you because I think that is a much better story that they hear from their constituents um, that they're having the struggle in this area or they would love to get more grant money and things like that um, to have those resources available to help make Michigan a thriving place for agricultural and agricultural processing. And I think one other thing is to pay attention to like our texting campaign and some of these other ways where if there are big issues that come up related specifically to ag processing, but to other um, legislative issues to pay attention to that and to participate in those action requests, whether it be via texting or you know, if there's a link on our website or something via email to really respond to those, especially with your personal stories about how um, possible regulations are going to impact your industry, going to impact your farm. I think those are really important to make sure that legislators and regulators know um, kind of the consequences of what their actions are. 
Yeah, definitely. And in that texting tool, that text to action platform that we use, um, that impact is is huge when you look at those numbers. So if you haven't had a chance to sign up for that, I encourage you to visit with your regional manager, learn how to get signed up. So that way, um, when there's something on the front and center stage that our, our staff's working on and we need someone to tell their story for you all to tell our legislators um, some personal insights that will come right to your phone um, and make it really easy for you. And then as we are wrapping up, is there any additional information both you, both of you would like to share on the long-term viability of agricultural processing? Um, I can jump in here. I guess one of the things I just want to make sure folks are aware of is if they are a Commodity Advisory Committee member, we have our Issue and Outlook Conference coming up on February 6th. And we will have a processor panel as a part of that. Um, it's going to be specific to sustainability programs that processors are implementing, um, but we will have some of those processors there to chat with folks. And if you're not an advisory committee member, um, we do have a few seats available as well for non-CAC members um, for a small fee. So if folks want to attend, um, CAC members have received their invitations in their email. Other folks, there will be notification going out, but you can also reach out to your regional manager um, to figure out how to get registered for that. And I think one other piece, as we look to the future of ag processing, um, this is really starting to tie into the labor situation here in our state. So we're we're hearing from some processors and there's concerns about how um, the changing dynamics on farms and the changing crop rotations are impacting processors. So we've always been known as a fruit and vegetable processing state, but as we're starting to lose some of those fruits and fruit and vegetable growers, um, there are some concerns about, are we going to start losing processors as well? Um, and those those industries are really challenging, challenged. You know, if you don't have asparagus grown in Oceana County, there's no point in having folks to process that asparagus. And a lot of times those people don't just process asparagus, they also process other crops. So how does that impact us for the future? So that's something that um, we're trying to keep our eye on and, and paying attention to, to see how it will impact um, not just farmers, but also those rural communities as well. Yeah. yeah, and Teresa makes a good point that a lot of these uh, issues are very intertwined and interconnected. And I think part of having a, sustainability focus on that um, food supply chain uh, panel is part of what we see as um, an impact coming from the private sector down the line to our processors and to our um, farmers that with the um, very limited action from the federal government is that we'll see a lot of action from that private, those private companies where they're processing or um, they're the Myers, Walmart, whoever of the world, food companies of the world that are saying, hey, we would like our food to look like this. And that gets passed down. And I think that, um, I think Teresa and I are a little bit biased because we're from the public policy division, but um, policy development is a year-round process. So if there's things you don't see in the policy book that you think should be in the policy book to help support um, not just ag processing, but in this case, we're talking about ag processing, um, you don't get involved with your policy county policy development committee because that's where the magic starts is at the county level. 
Yeah, thank you for sharing that, Tess. And we actually link to an online submission form for all of our community action group members. So if you have an idea, uh, check out the, the show notes for this podcast and you can submit that policy development idea that will be then shared with your county uh, your county policy development committee. All right, rolling into our last question, being January, um, what are the two of you looking forward to most in the new year? I'll be cheeky and say I'm looking forward to not being sick anymore, um, and I hope that it starts before the new year, but um, looking forward to a new year, um, hopefully a good winter meeting season and also just being able to um, spend time with uh, family and friends as we move forward outside of the winter meeting season. Um, I don't really have anything big necessarily that I can think of, um, but so this will be my nephew, my oldest nephew's first year showing in 4-H and he'll get to take his own pigs to the fair. And so those litters of pigs are due kind of starting right after the new year. So kind of looking forward to see how that turns out and how uh, his year goes of actually having his own project to take to the fair instead of just borrowing somebody else's for the five minutes of peewee showmanship that he gets to do. So I think that'll be a fun, you know, first six months or so of the year as we get ready for that. Yeah, for sure. Going to be starting to scout those hogs here shortly. Perfect. Well, thank you both for joining us for this episode of the Community Action Group podcast, The Block Party. We look forward to bringing you one episode a month. A big thank you to Ashley Frazee for her work to produce this podcast. A final thank you to all of you listening in and joining us this month.